The Naked Brand with your host, Mike Leon. Alrighty, welcome to The Naked Brand. I am so excited to welcome our next guest, Daniel Rakima, who is many, many, many hats that, that this gentleman wears. And uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how I know him, but uh, uh, Daniel is the president and CEO of MDR Public Affairs, the editor-in-chief and publisher of The Registrar, um, and a client and collaborator of mine, great friend, all-around great person. Daniel, welcome to The Naked Brand. Thanks so much, Mike. I'm really excited to be here. So Daniel, I'd, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and that will actually nicely dovetail into the subject. And I'm breaking a little bit of tradition because normally I'll, t- I'll, I'll say the subject and then introduce the person, but there's a, there's a method to my madness for this one. So I'd love you to talk to me about your story and then we'll go into the story of today. Yeah, I'd be happy to. It's, it's uh... Uh, for some people, it's a little bit more difficult than others to talk about themselves. I, as a communications person, uh, certainly find it much easier to uh, to talk and position uh, other organizations and individuals. But essentially, uh, I'm a community economic development and communications professional. And everything that I have done in my career has been about social impact. Um, I have never taken a job and I've never wanted to work for anybody where I didn't actually see a measurable impact in the work uh, that that I had uh, that I had done, and uh, it's it's been it's been great. It um, it's allowed me to um, monetize passion, and uh, I I've been able to uh, affect change at uh, very small uh, levels. Um, individuals, I've been able to uh, work with larger organizations. And, and I'd like to think that I've, I've also contributed to, well, I have contributed to, to public policy and, and, and hopefully um, I, I've been able to uh, use my passion to, to, to make the world a better place. And now that I'm working as the CEO of, of my own consulting firm, uh, we only work with organizations that are committed to building safer, healthier and greener communities. So it's, it's about social impact. And, uh, and with them as well, uh, we have uh, organizations that are very excited when they hear that we're not just taking anybody as a client. Uh, we first evaluate and assess you. Do you fit within uh, the, the matrix of what it is that, that we're looking for? And if you do, we're happy to help. So I've, I, I'm, I'm living the dream. I, I, I don't consider this a job. I think it was Pierre Trudeau who said something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not real work, but it's better than a job. Uh, I'm, I love absolutely everything that I do. That's fantastic. So Daniel, it's no secret that we are living in unprecedented times right now. And the reason why I wanted you to tell your story before I tell the story of today is because I believe as a brander and as a storyteller that in any times, good times, bad times, Stories are very important and brands are very important. And I think we're seeing evidence of that now more than ever, because in troubled times, we need a good story and a story with impact, a story with purpose, a story with positivity. And your your own story rings totally true to that. So let me ask you something, because I love chatting with you because you and I approach topics from a very similar lens, but from very different backgrounds. Myself with the branding background, yourself with the communications and storytelling background. When I say that we're in unprecedented times and unprecedented times need stories, 
What's your take on that, for better or for worse? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What would you add to that? I, I think that uh, we, we absolutely are uh, in unprecedented times. Um, though I think we could also argue that every single day of our lives have been unprecedented times. Um, but, but certainly the last few, the last 12 to 18 months um, have, have not just kind of been a shock to our system almost every single day. Um, I think that they have been much more intense than, uh, than, than in years past. Um, everything uh, has a story. Um, and um, just if, if you're looking at uh, COVID and how COVID has, has impacted the way the world works, and at the very same time, we saw uh, social justice uh, come front and center uh, with uh, the issues that happened in in the U.S. Uh, with with uh, with uh, the, the, the police killings, uh, these are two stories that, if they occurred at different times, would have been um, would would really themselves define um, a new era. Uh, but we're they both kind of collided at the same time. Um, the third thing that has happened has been the uh, and, and you and I worked on this uh, last year, and that is the, the the rapid emergence of technology, and how technology has enabled us during COVID to work from home. Uh, so that itself is, is is a whole new story. So I would add that to three major stories that have occurred in the last twelve months, and all of them um, have kind of have have collided. You have individual stories with, with, with each and every one of them. And each of them, um, I think, really has uh, changed the way, if, it makes, if, if that makes any sense, it really changed the way that we think about, that we think about things. We, we, we can work from home. We have the technology to, to work from home. But because we've been at home, we were able to see what happened with George Floyd in Minnesota much more closely then if we had gotten under the go trains, we'd gotten into our cabs and we'd driven to work, we would have seen it on our phones, but we wouldn't have paid attention to it. COVID hit at a time when we were sitting at home in front of our computers with our family members and we were able to, to talk about it. So we essentially have all created our own stories and created our own realities. You know what? Let's add a fourth one to that. So you have COVID, you have the George Floyd situation, you have the emergence of technology, and then you have Donald Trump. You know, right. this was yeah. so technology allowed people who usually didn't have a voice uh, to become emboldened because somebody without a conscience decided to just say things that we were not used to. So people use this emerging technology as leverage to go out there and say things and do things that were completely inappropriate. So you've got four stories. I'm sure as I keep talking, I'll probably say and there's five and there's six. But think about that in the last 12 months of what's happened compared to the last 12 years, per se, say, or, you know, even the last five, six years. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this leads to a question that I want to talk to you about. And, and I, I've spent a lot of time just thinking about the role of brands during bad times. And I wanted to talk to you about sometimes the precious balance that exists between being relevant and being true. And what I mean by that is that, you know, one of my least favorite words of, of the pandemic is, is pivot. 
And people have had to change their stories. They've had to change their careers. They've had to change everything they've done. But people like me have raised their hands and said, okay, wait a minute, though. Every pivot you make still has to be true to who you fundamentally are as a person and as a brand. And if it's not true and it doesn't make sense, that's not the right pivot for you. But then there's also the concern about putting money in the till and putting food on the table and being able to to wake up each day. So what is that fine line between being relevant to yourself, relevant to your stakeholders, relevant to the time, but also being true to your brand, being true to that moment that you're in and, and ultimately being true to what's important to you? Oh, man. You, you have to ask me this question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Naked Brand. <laughs> yeah, you're really exposing me now. Um, relevant and true and pivot. Well, let me agree with you about the, about the word pivot. I heard the word pivot um, more in the last 12 months than any other time, except for the 90s when we heard that friend show and you had uh, Ross going up the stairs screaming, pivot, pivot, pivot. pivot. Um, um, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about about relevance and and and, and being true. Um, the, the sector that I've been working the closest with in the last twelve months has been the education sector, uh, and also the the, um, the licensing and professional regulation sector. I, I do a lot of work with, with with regulatory bodies, and I often think about my clients' brands. So even though I do even though I do communications, of course, the way your position. Uh, the way you want to be represented is absolutely critical. Uh, that's 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 your 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 brand. Um, organizations' relevance, depending on who you are, has changed a lot in the last twelve to eighteen months. Uh, twelve last twelve months, I, I, I would say. Uh, some have become less important. Some have become more important. Um, you know, we're, we're here in the in the GTA. Um, let's talk about um, the Go Train, for example. You know, Metrolinx has a brand. Metrolinx has always been out there. Metrolinx works very, very hard to protect its reputation and to project to the public who they are and what it is that that they do. But how many of us have actually been on a train in the last twelve months or on a bus? Who cares what Metrolinx has to say? Because right now, my reality is I am stuck at home. And the only time I get to go out, if my wife even allows it, is to go to Shoppers Drug Mart to pick up some aspirin. You know, because everything else I can, <laughs> I can, I can bring in. I can have, I can have it delivered. <laughs> so have it. The meaning of brands have, have completely changed. So you have some organizations that all of a sudden the importance of those brands are just not, are just not there anymore. But... Then there are other brands that all of a sudden I think have, have come to the fore. And we're, we, we as, as consumers are beginning to see who they really are. And I think that's where it's really important for, less, for, for previously less visible brands to really become true about who they are and, 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 and how, the, they, uh, how they, they project themselves. So um, I don't know how to continue with what it is that, 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 that you'd ask me, but that's my answer and I'm sticking. Hey, I think it's a great answer. So, so let's unpack that for a sec. So sure. pandemic hits and March 16th, brands suddenly start putting out, we're all in this together ads and we're all in this together set sentiments. The tragedy of George Floyd happens. 
And within a couple of weeks, brands are, are putting out statements and they're saying, you know what, we're looking inward. We want to be a brand for everybody. We want to make sure that we are inclusive. We have some work to do. And over time, that starts to, that starts to eventually fade away as well. Are these examples of brands being relevant? Are these examples of brands being true? Are these examples of brands kind of trying to sort of raise their hands and show that, that they care about what everybody cares about? Are these examples of brands being opportunistic? What's kind of that fine line between being relevant and being true to who you are and being, being, being there for the people who connect with you, your, your consumers? Well, now, now you're talking about something that is, is really, really important. And, and links to George Floyd, and 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 how businesses have changed, and and I think that their, their relevance have have uh, have have been really really tested. You know, there was this just this explosion of companies that came out of the gates and all of a sudden started to tell us that racism is bad. It's something we don't want to embrace. We are not racist and we, by God, are not going to stand by it. And there are other organizations that came out and said, yeah, it's bad. We've said that all along. We've always known the importance of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Right. We're not to say it party. now. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. where, 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 have you been? You been? where have you been? So... And then in terms of, in terms of relevance, <clears throat> people, especially people, dare I say, who look like George Floyd, me being one of those, we looked at companies that issued those statements at first with a real grain of salt. So that's where the relevance is. So you're saying racism is bad. Good, for, good on you, because we know that. But there's a second piece to that, and that is, what are you going to do about it? And for those of them that came out and said that racism is bad and did nothing else, was essentially standing, and, and I've, I've said this in, in another presentation that I did, was it's, it's like standing with a bullhorn on the corner of the street and screaming, I'm not racist. That doesn't mean you're, you're not racist. It just means you're loud. So. Right. What are you doing to fix the problem? Because everybody has to do their part. And if you haven't told in your statement that you acknowledge that there are shortcomings in your organization, one, first and second, first of all, second of all, that this is how you're going to fix it. Third, by when you're going to fix it. And fourth, draw for us a vision of where you think you could be in the future, absolutely everything is hogwash. That's not relevant. If you want to be true to yourself, you've got to answer those questions. Because I'll give you an example. <laughs> I, I, I cringe when I see organizations with, you know, you see these job postings and at the bottom, they say we're an equal opportunity employer. I always get it. I giggle at that because the first thing I do when I see we are an equal opportunity employer. It says, hey, person who looks different, check out our website to see if it's really true. So I'll click on their website and I'll see if it's really true. The board of directors are all white male over the age of 50. They have one person who's in finance and let, let me be 
bluntly stereotypical because we're this is the naked brand here you know absolutely the, the, the only person of color is from asia and is their finance person and person who is a woman is in hr that is not diversity that is playing the stereotype and that is that is that is towing the line of 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 the very problems that society has endured for way too long if you want to show diversity and we're not saying that nobody can be a male over 50 but don't say something that's not true if you really want to be relevant don't say you're 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 um that that, that you're an equal opportunity employer because you're not by saying yeah. by saying you're inviting criticism so just be quiet do the change express the change what express uh, your shortcomings when you are doing the change and invite the skeptics to come back and reevaluate you down the future. You're going to have a lot more credibility than to have that 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 one uh, that that one brash line that the vast majority of people who represent uh, the very equity that they'd like to see are not part of. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Great context overall, and you know it, it is to me. That's that's when it really comes up between wanting to stay relevant and wanting to stay true. Because you know, I saw a lot of brands. And, and I consulted a lot of brands who, who said, okay, what's the right timing for this? Because the last thing we want to do is appear opportunistic. And the last thing we also want to do is appear self-righteous because we don't have it right. And we know we don't have it right. And some of my favorite examples were brands that stood up and said, okay, listen, we're making a statement today, well, us and everybody else. We're going to make a statement three weeks from now. And we're going to make a statement three weeks from now. And we are going to list in those statements the things that we need to do and then we're going to check back in in three weeks and we're going to tell you what we've done. And in between that, we invite you to hold us accountable because we realize we have a ways to go. And, you know, when I look at this from the, the brand lens, I kind of think, okay, nobody's perfect. But what it at least does is it allows someone to say, you know what, I'm going to own what I don't know. And I'm going to own that I really want to try and figure that out. As opposed to, like how you were saying before, Brands who almost try and kind of wash over that and say, well, look at us. We're just going to talk loudly. And hopefully if we talk loudly enough, people will just believe that everything's okay. And if you do that enough, you just kind of just, just go with whatever is happening without actually being true to yourself. So I think that's such a, such a strong lens to look at. Is it relevant? Is it true? Is it both? What is it? You know... I, I spoke with uh, with a client yesterday, and she said something that has has just kind of been top of mind uh, ever since. She said, "Change is a journey," and 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 she's one hundred percent right. We were talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, change really is a journey. It's it's an awakening, it's a recognition, and and it's also committing yourself to getting onto that train or, or, or that vehicle of change and making things happen. So anybody that comes out and says, we're against this. And, you know, even if they say, for example, we are going to fight racism by hiring somebody who is a person of color. That's a quick fix solution. She was 100% right. Changing the world, changing anything takes time you have to recognize when you're talking about implementing change that 
you're addressing, you might see it from a very different position because oftentimes people come from that position of privilege, but you're addressing victims. And by addressing victims, you have to take it very, very seriously. And no quick fix solution is going to, is going to, uh, is, is going to solve anything. In fact, you risk further victimizing people. I had a wonderful conversation with uh, uh, Dr. Ivan Joseph, who is a, a, an assistant uh, uh, vice president of one of the universities here in, in, in Ontario um, back in, in September. And we were talking about, the whole, talking about the whole... Pardon me? Your alma mater. Yes, My alma right. mater, he yeah. He that's right. <laughs> that's right. And we were talking about that, the square peg and, and the round hole. And, and that is, and that goes, and that's the, the, the real crux of, of change. You can't make change by saying we're going to hire somebody unless you look at your own institution, you look at your own structure, you look at your own processes and recognize that they need to be changed to actually accommodate. If you don't do that part, you can't do the other. So when you're talking about relevance, relevance is, is, is recognizing it and saying we're going to do something about it. Being really true about it is saying, where have we wronged? Where have we wronged? How can we fix it? What changes should we make so that we don't end up in a situation where we're bringing people on board who are going to leave in six to 12 months because we have not actually conformed to the necessary changes required to become truly inclusive? You know, there's a very, there's a very fine line between creating a brand and operationalizing it. And it comes to mind as you're talking about really driving change, that there's, there's the creation side of that coin of the values and the beliefs and the brand personality and everything that comes from that. And then there's being able to operationalize all those things to make sure that the right people are being hired to express that voice, the right um, solutions are being created within the organization, and the right engine to move the whole thing is happening. From your perspective and from your experience, where do you feel like some of the some of the rub points are between that precious line between building that brand and creating that story and actually making sure that it actually gets out there in the world and it's operationalized? Sorry, just explain that a little bit deeper. To, uh, just uh, give me a little more context to that. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I guess I look at it. Let's say I want to create an organization of entrepreneurs. And I'm looking mm -hmm. for people who believe in entrepreneurship, believe in uh, innovation, believe in all of those sorts of things. And I say, I'm going to create an organization based on entrepreneurs. And I hold up our mission, vision and values and say, we believe in innovation. And then I hire people and I realize, well, damn, I got to pay them and take off taxes. And I got to like, you know, do all these government things and, and all this type of stuff. And actually creating the company I want is a little harder than it was when I was just building out what I believe. But I'm saying I'm going to do these things. How do I actually make sure it happens? And I, I'd love to get your perspective from a social justice lens because it's every organization struggles with this, but I feel like organizations that are really there for the public good really struggle with this because they're, they're held very accountable for it, often in the public eye. So how do you make sure you're, you're towing that line between holding up what you value and also being able to actually walk the talk? Well, one of the, the founding principles of community economic development is to involve the community you're trying to serve uh, in your operations and in your governance. Um, 
you can't change community if that community is not part of 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 the of of your own story and your your own journey. Um, if they're not part of it, uh, what you have is you have a a, a structure that is uh, very colonial, and and I think history has shown us that colonialism does does not work. It becomes very very top down, um, and it doesn't have to be bottom up, but it, it has to be, inc- that's what inclusion inclusion really is. So if you're going to make big statements, um, before you make those big statements, certainly publicly, you're right. You have to make sure that um, you can live by that. Um, and sometimes what you have to do is you have to um, go outside of, of your own sphere of influence to get people to work with you. This is why you've seen this emergence of diversity consultants, because you have people, me included now, and this is a service that we started to provide, who are saying, you want to you want to affect this change? You think now, or you're saying now that you're recognizing that the lack of diversity is a problem? Well, let us come to you and let us tell you what it means to be diverse. What does it mean, um, and and how will your operations change if you bring this type of person into the organization? You you can't profess to have that talent in house, because if you did, you wouldn't have the issues you're trying to solve. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. But I but I kind of wonder, and, and maybe this is another rub sometimes between staying true and staying relevant. Starbucks, I'm going back about three years now, but but there was an incident in Philadelphia where um, a barista called the police on a uh, on a customer. You remember that story, right? Yeah, yeah. And Starbucks' response to that was to shut down every store in the United States for one day. And in that one day, they would do diversity and equity training. And it made huge headlines. And there was huge discussion around that. And there was discussion around wow, you know, look at Starbucks, like they're taking this so seriously, they're going to shut every store down for one day. And I remember thinking, okay, they're shutting every store down for just one day. What's going to happen on day two? So is this a story about relevance and, and making a huge statement so people say, hey, look at Starbucks, look how great they are? Or is this a story about being true from a real brand standpoint, a real conviction standpoint, and saying, okay, you know what? This is just the first in a long line of stuff that we're gonna do. But I mean, you and I both know the new cycle. Unfortunately, it tends to be pretty short. So did Starbucks, in a case like this, is this a case where they just know that people will probably be okay with doing something in a very grand gesture? Or is it important to kind of make it last, go beyond day one and start thinking about the days to follow? What's the line there between that relevance and that truth of, of making sure you're living the values of a brand. Well, uh, <clears throat> I, I remember the Starbucks incident very clearly because <laughs> I actually went to Starbucks uh, and it was closed when, uh, when they had that, 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 that day of session, that, that session at uh, the day of training. And I actually thought, Oh, and, and I kind of said it uh, sarcastically to myself, I guess they won't be racist tomorrow. tomorrow. And, and, right. and that really, right. that really, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. really because they've had one day. The one day, all of a sudden, you're not racist. Yeah. I mean, this is great. If yeah, only, life is great after because we took uh, one day. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mike, 
I, 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 let me give you a couple of examples of why I think this is complete hogwash. Um, twice now in the last three weeks, I went to a shopper's drug mart at 11 o'clock at night and the security guard who just stood around uh, followed me. I stood around before I came, followed me when I got in the store. On January 25th, I was driving in my neighborhood out here in Burlington. A black minivan that was tinted followed me, literally chased me through the neighborhoods. I had absolutely no idea who it was, what it was. Turns out that it was the Halton police. Five days later was the first day of Black History Month, and they had this great big release where they're going to paint a cruiser with Black Lives Matter. How do Black Lives Matter when you're chasing black people through neighborhoods just five days before and then using that excuse, oh, we're sorry, there have been robberies in the neighborhood. So that means that there was a robbery because of somebody who drove an eight-year-old and, and stole an eight-year-old uh, uh, Hyundai Santa Fe that I had. Is it that somebody looked like me? Because I don't remember that. In fact, there were no any burglaries in my neighborhood. So this type of stuff, where you say we're going to be not racist tomorrow because we're going to have a day of training or we're going to paint a cruiser with Black Lives Matter and how dare they put the face of Martin Luther King on that. You know, they're doing this because they themselves think that we will be less upset about what it is that that's going on. And in fact, what it does is it infuriates us. It makes them, if, if it's a feel good moment for them, then do your feel good moment, but don't take it publicly because all you're doing is you're upsetting the very victims that you profess to, to support. If you're true about, about non, about uh, anti-racism, Starbucks shouldn't have gone national. They should have targeted that very store. They should have worked with those very people and they should have said, this is unacceptable. You guys are going to get training. We're going to watch you very, very carefully. And if it happens again, you're out, you're fired. That's what they should have done. But to blanket state all, but to close all of North America, what they're saying is, we have a problem in every single store. We're all racist. All of us are racist. And tomorrow we won't be. I don't know who believed that. I certainly didn't. Right. I certainly didn't believe the Halton police painting their, their cruiser with, with, with Black Lives Matter uh, and, and, and um, Black History Month stuff that they were no longer racist. They're still racist. They still look at me. Uh, they still drive slower when, when I'm walking down the street. If you're really true about social justice, you've got to put a process together. It's a journey. It takes time. You need to get the community to be part of that decision-making process. And you can never, ever say that you've solved it. It's like addiction. An addiction is something that never ends. It always happens. We all have biases that will always continue. But what you can do is you can learn to live with it, you can reduce the pain, and then you can really listen to the people who are hurting the most and figure out how you can work with them so that they themselves won't continue to hurt as much as they are. So I have two questions for you in the, in the sure. time we have left. And I wish, I wish we could talk longer because this is fantastic. Are we, as a society, are we demanding these types of gestures from Starbucks and from the police because of the way we consume content? And let me word it another way. Are our attention spans so damn low right now that we need a big, big gesture like closing every Starbucks in North America for a day to actually pay attention? Or for 
um, a department to ignore very, very obvious signs of systemic racism in favor of painting a cruiser because that's how you get our attention? Or do we call bullshit to that and say, you know what, there's, there's, other, there's other ways for brands to communicate and build their brands and they got to start thinking about that? Well, I, I think that most organizations, certainly those that have agencies working for them, they know the news cycle is very short. Make that grand gesture because tomorrow, and especially, let's go back to the very beginning of our conversation, when you have COVID, when you have everything that happened with, with, with George Floyd, when you, the, the, when you have um, Trump in, as, as part of this, you have all of these <laughs> things that are happening and the world is moving at 100 miles a minute. You don't remember what happened yesterday. All you know is that you heard about Starbucks in the news yesterday and you're not going to remember why. And they, in their own minds, make themselves feel better. You know what? If that is the way agencies want to work, then let agencies work that way. But I can tell you this much. The people that are mostly victimized by this is actually a growing collective. Because when we're talking about diversity, we're not just talking about race. There are 36 different indicators that define diversity. And it is a growing collective in society. You've got the LGBTQ community. You've got women. You've got persons with disabilities. You have people of color. You've got religion. You've got nationality. You've got all of those, you know, mental health. We're all becoming one. And we're saying it's time for you to take us all seriously. We don't expect you to change the world overnight, but stop using us as a, as a political and as a, as a corporate punching bag just so that you can make money because it's not right. No, not at all. So I appreciate me you letting me put you on the spot for, for the entire conversation. I'm going to do it one more time if you don't mind. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Go so for it. Let's, say Go you, for let's say you're creating a playbook. For branders when they're looking at how to look inward to make sure that they're, they're they're starting to tell their stories in a way that's true what would be the first thing that would go into that playbook call mdr public affairs and we'll help you <laughs> i love you man that's awesome <laughs> hey listen you're plugging it <laughs> you're, you're you gave me the opportunity i'm plugging it no um honestly no i would <laughs> You don't have to call MDR Public Affairs, but call somebody else. Don't do it yourself. I really think that that's the first thing. If you recognize you have a problem or you have an issue, fantastic. Deal with it, but don't deal with it in-house because all of the prejudices, all of the structures, all of the practices, your handbook, your all of those, everything that you have, it needs to be assessed, needs to be changed. And you can't do it yourself because if you could do it yourself, you would have done it yourself. Get help from somebody else and they'll work with you. When it comes to your brand, you have what defines you as a brand and you let them know, this is what my brand is and this is how far I'm willing to go. But accept the fact that a diversity consultant might tell you that your brand is actually what's creating the problem. And you need to take a look at that brand and you need to adjust the brand. You need to adjust your target audience to actually make you truly inclusive. And then the rest will follow. You know what? Brands are humbled all the time. And the faster they embrace it, the faster they recognize it, the faster they could start to do something about it. So Agreed. wise words. Thank you so much. Oh, this was a lot this of fun. This has been <laughs>
Let's do it again. Let's definitely do it again. And and call MDR Public Affairs. It's like call it's like Uncle MDR Sam wants Public Affairs dot ca, and we will be dot here to help. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thanks to all of you for checking out the Naked Brand. Please be sure to subscribe. Please be sure to come back. We're going to keep talking about branding from multiple angles. I'm so excited to geek out on everything from AI to food to play. We want to talk about branding as COVID starts to hopefully come to an end, maybe. So please keep checking back in. And Daniel, thank you again. And thank you all. And we'll talk soon. Thanks very much for letting me get naked. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs>